leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. For people with type 1 diabetes, the day-to-day management of the disease can be a full-time job involving the monitoring of blood glucose levels and injection of insulin. The medical device giant Medtronics has been working toward the development of what it's called an artificial pancreas, a steady improvement of pump and sensor technology to free type 1 diabetes patients and allow them to think less about the management of their disease. We spoke to Fran Kaufman, Chief Medical Officer of Medtronic Diabetes, about the progress the company has made, its newest technology that is moving towards the market, and how close it is to realizing its vision of an artificial pancreas. Fran, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about diabetes and and Medtronic's development of a new insulin pump technology and the move towards what's been dubbed an artificial pancreas. I thought we could start with type 1 diabetes itself, which is an autoimmune disease. What happens in type 1 diabetes and and how has it traditionally been treated? So the hallmark of type 1 diabetes is the elevation of the blood glucose or sugar level. And this is due to the failure to make insulin in the beta cells of the pancreas. And that failure results from the destruction of those cells in the pancreas by the immune system itself. So something we call an autoimmune disease leads to the destruction of a key cell that makes a key hormone. And as a result of that, somebody must get that hormone insulin back again in their body, and they must take it either by shot or by insulin pump. Well, what's the daily routine for someone with a condition? How, how present is the condition in someone's daily life? Well, I think the most amazing thing when you are with somebody with type 1 diabetes is how much work they do all day long. So they are taking insulin. So if they do it with a syringe or a pen, they take multiple doses a day. If they have an insulin pump, it's giving them a continuous dose of insulin and then they take added insulin around their meals. Or if they have a elevation of their glucose or sugar level. Then they're checking their finger to find out how their glucose control is. Um, They're also checking their finger to find out if they need extra insulin. Many of them wear a continuous glucose sensor, which is continually reading the glucose level of the subcutaneous space and then transmitting that to them. And then they make decisions about how much insulin to take as a result of that. 
they're also balancing their food intake and their physical activity and whether they're going to be sedentary or travel on a plane. So they're what we call, they're being a pancreas all day long. <laughs> and it really does have an impact on their lives. There, there's been an impressive evolution of technology that's allowing people with diabetes to, to move away from self-injections to the use of insulin pumps. What is an insulin pump and how does that technology work? So the insulin pump is a little machine. It's about the size of a pager or so in which there is a reservoir, almost like a syringe filled with insulin. There's a pumping mechanism, a motor that essentially is driving down that reservoir to deliver a set amount of insulin through the 24-hour time period. And then you have the ability to dial the delivery of more insulin in if you're going to go and take a meal. I take it someone with an insulin pump, though, has to to replace the insulin along the way. Well, somebody has to wear something uh, continuously on their body. They have to replace the insulin every three days in the infusion set that takes the insulin from this reservoir into their subcutaneous space. And they have to be sure it's in, it's working, the battery's functional. Um, and so there's a, a lot they have to do. How dependent on the patient were the earlier insulin pumps to deliver the right amount of insulin? The earlier insulin pumps are totally dependent on the patient. Of course, the patient is working in collaboration with their healthcare provider, who hopefully has a lot more knowledge about the general aspects of this treatment paradigm. But the patient sets the pump, the patient um, pushes buttons on the pump, the patient makes decisions uh, around how much um, they're going to need insulin from this pump. So it's a continual interaction throughout the day. By marrying the pump to sensor technology, the patient's glucose can be constantly monitored. How, how do these sensors work? Where are they located and what are they detecting? So the sensors that are available commercially right now all reside in what we call the subcutaneous space. So the space under your skin and before your muscle layers. and there is fluid in all aspects of our body, and that fluid we call the interstitial fluid, which just means between the cells, reflects how much sugar there is actually in the blood, in the transit to the cells, and then how much will be available for the cells actually to use as their energy source. So it's continuously measuring, sending data over every five minutes, and therefore the patient, the pump, can see what that data is and um, actually make some calculations around uh, or make some calculations to alarm about issues with the glucose excursions that might be occurring. And uh, But right now, until we get to the artificial pancreas, uh, the pump doesn't make any decisions on that sensor glucose data. What we've done at Medtronic is developed uh, products in the artificial pancreas category. And that category just means that any automatic insulin delivery or cessation as a result of receiving glucose values from the continuous glucose sensor. So uh, I think most people think the artificial pancreas means I'll put these two things in and I don't have to do anything at all. But if you really look at it from an evolutionary standpoint or maybe even from a regulatory standpoint or a scientific standpoint, any aspect of saying we could take a glucose level and decide how to deliver insulin with an insulin pump 
is automatic and therefore it's part of this automated system and those automated systems fall under the artificial pancreas category. Now we're all working towards making that ultimate artificial pancreas where I wear the devices, they do everything on their own. We've gone through two steps already that are commercially available, one in the United States and another one that is available outside the United States. And now what we're working on um, is the next step, which we will call a hybrid artificial pancreas. What, what's the ultimate vision in terms of moving towards that artificial pancreas? Well, the ultimate vision is that first we will, well, first of all, these other two devices, our 530G system in the United States and our 640G system outside the United States both stop insulin delivery, one at a set threshold and the other one at a predicted reaching of that threshold within 30 minutes. So they've done a lot to mitigate hypoglycemia, lots of research that has shown their value, um, but it's just about stopping insulin delivery. The real goal now is to leap across a big chasm and now be able to deliver insulin in essentially five-minute packets uh, all by the sensor glucose data directing the pump as to how to give insulin that five minutes or not. Well, you recently finished a pivotal U.S. trial of your Minimed 670G Enlight uh, 3, a hybrid. You call this a closed-loop system. This is your most advanced effort yet. How does this improve over your existing technology, and, and when might it come to market? So there's a tremendous improvement over the existing technology because what we have now, again, is only about stopping insulin delivery, mainly to mitigate hypoglycemia. This is now about also delivering insulin. And as a result of, I mean, essentially it increases, it decreases, it stops insulin delivery, it looks at uh, essential, what is my glucose value now? What's the rate of change been for the glucose value? How much insulin is already been delivered and active in the body? And how sensitive is that patient to what packets of insulin I've been delivering. So that's a control algorithm. It's very similar to the control algorithms that fly our planes, that are part of our cruise control, that set our thermostats in our houses, where you set, and essentially what this hybrid closed-loop system does is it sets the target at 120 milligrams per deciliter, and then it turns on and off, increases and decreases, the amount of insulin it gives in these five-minute intervals to get to, to that target. So uh, we're very excited about delivering insulin. It's a, it's a hugely bigger step than just stopping insulin delivery. Um, and we're very excited about uh, it becoming potentially a commercial product. I can't exactly say when, but I can tell you that we have finished our pivotal trial, the trial that we um, were in discussions with, with the FDA for actually um, many years already uh, that we had to do to show that it's safe. And uh, they will therefore allow us to analyze this data, show them all the safety features of how all these different devices work and work together and submit what we call a PMA, uh, which is a huge, huge effort of papers and data sheets and uh, protocols, um, everything about this device that's existed, and then they have to go through a 
very extensive regulatory review of that. And then once they do, um, they may ask us questions in between. They either deem it acceptable for commercialization or not. We're really hopefully counting on it being uh, accepted commercially. And then in which case we'll have a product that will be like no other product we've ever seen before in the field of diabetes. This product will uh, essentially work for the patient to get to that target glucose level. The patient will have a lesser burden on them of what they need to do throughout the day so they don't have to set these basal rates for the pump. The pump's going to decide that on its own through the algorithm. They will have to dose for their meals. It's always best. And this has got nothing to do with the algorithm. It's got to do with how insulin works once it's delivered to our subcutaneous space and absorbed into our bloodstream and goes to all these target tissues in our body. It's rather slow in its action. Therefore, it's best to give a meal bolus, depending on what the patient's best estimate is of what they're going to eat, and do that before, 10 or 15 minutes before they eat. And then um, the data from our pivotal trial, which I actually can't really tell you, but I can tell you that it actually um, suggests to all of us that this device is able to deliver on its promise of getting more and more glucose values in what we call the ideal or target range with a marked reduction in the glucose values in the low range as well as a reduction in the glucose values in a high range. And of course, these glucose values values are measured by the sensor itself. Um, we've worked very, very hard. Obviously, you can imagine how important that sensor is to get a sensor that delivers uh, accuracy level to the range that everybody's felt is important for uh, managing a hybrid closed-loop system. That's around the 10%, what we call, uh, uh, level for accuracy. And uh, our new sensor, our fourth-generation sensor, um, which we've also studied extensively, is able to deliver that kind of accuracy, and therefore we think the system um, is truly valid, uh, functional, able to help people. Both Our study was both in adults and adolescents, and we're really quite excited about the results. The data that the sensor captures, is there any effort to use this data and aggregate it in any way to get better insight into diabetes? Oh, we're, we're, we, we've got uh, a real, I think, very innovative, very uh, forward-thinking approach now to our data. You know, there's data, then there's analytics, and um, and then there's action. So we're in the hybrid closed loop. It's not really data that's being delivered. What's being delivered is action by the device itself. And um, and we hope everybody sees that that action turns into uh, improved outcomes. So, uh, and then that's just how the device works. But we're also very, very interested. We have a collaborative relationship now with IBM through their Watson Health Division to actually do much more extensive data uh, mining, data analytics, and turning that data into wisdom in addition for patients themselves, for healthcare providers. I happen to be a healthcare provider, so I really care about what's in it for me. Um, and I, I think we're going to be able to prognosticate whether they might be for a patient, 
give them insights how on um, you know what to do what not to do to add not just glucose sensing but maybe other inputs such as accelerometry um heart rate we could put a gps in there we could see somebody's driving off to a fast food restaurant tell them not to do that i mean there's there, there's a lot of positives and, and potentially maybe too much information that these systems might be wanting to gather and then delivering back to us so we, we have to balance it for what the patient and the patient segmentations really are desiring but uh Data is uh, certainly the operative word of uh, what's going on now in health as well as obviously in a lot of other arenas. So when we started this conversation, you sketched out what the daily life of a patient is like and the effort they have to put into monitoring and, and treating their disease. How does this technology alter the life of a diabetes patient? Well, can I answer that? And also, how about the daily life of the healthcare provider? taking care of somebody with uh, diabetes. So the healthcare provider during that encounter now downloads devices, hopefully downloads devices, looks at all the data, tries to determine, well, you know, the glucose value isn't optimal right here. Should I increase? Should I decrease? Should I change this parameter? So they have to do a, a, a lot of thinking, a lot of obviously knowledge that they've been trying to acquire, going to uh, meetings, reading articles, understanding their own patient experiences. And uh, they have very few minutes in uh, allotted for each individual patient. So they're rushing through and nobody's very happy about that. What this device will do in the future is it will, it will be making those setting changes. There won't be those settings that the healthcare provider has to work with the patient to determine what they should be. The device is going to do it automatically. There'll be some settings that they have to do, but we think we can actually make it easier to determine what those settings should be. And therefore, the patient and the doctor encounter will be more meaningful, more directed at what might really be going on from a psychological, psychosocial, um, emotional standpoint, overall health standpoint, and we'll take the nitty-gritty burden and turn it into a much more meaningful encounter. That's really what I'm looking for. And for the patient themselves day-to-day, um, they'll be getting most of their insulin delivered automatically. They will still need to determine how much insulin to give around the meals, their best estimate of what they're going to ingest and take the dose beforehand. The device uh, could run into a situation where it's working hard and the problem still doesn't seem to be resolved. I'll give you a good example. Um, it could be that the reservoir inside that pump is empty. So it's been delivering, been working, but there's no insulin getting into the patient because there's no insulin in the pump. Therefore, I can't bring down its glucose value. So it will, there are some instances where it has to turn control back over to the patient and almost kind of say, hey, I've been doing my best effort here. I can't resolve your problem. You need to intervene. So there'll be some time uh, from our study. I can tell you the vast majority of the time somebody is in what we call closed loop or the artificial auto mode, artificial pancreas auto mode, and not having to make these decisions or interacting at all. But there will be times where the patient will have to be alerted and try to troubleshoot, but there'll be fewer and farther apart 
as the patient gets more comfortable, feels uh, that they can trust the device. You know, this is somebody actually now having to give up control to a little pump that's managing a life-critical aspect of, the, of uh, their diabetes. And so there's a, a little bit of kind of uh, flirting that needs to go on and comfort, and there's some dating, and then there's a marriage. Um, and once that marriage occurs, I think um, the people who were in our trial, um, as a result of how uh, they perceive their own outcomes to be, actually the vast majority of them did not want to give back the devices, solicited the FDA themselves for a continuation phase. The FDA agreed to that. And so we have the vast majority of them now still using the artificial pancreas, even though the study has been completed. There are companies working to develop implanted technology that encapsulates insulin-producing beta islet cells. Does Medtronic ever see moving in that direction with some sort of implantable device capable of producing insulin? Oh, I, I think Medtronic um, has a vision to continue to innovate, to look for partners in this arena of innovation, to look forward to say the artificial pancreas, maybe it's the answer for 15 years, 20 years, who knows? But ultimately, I think everybody is hoping for a cellular cure of diabetes, um, whether it's an encapsulated islet or some other modality stem cells. We are very, uh, through our obviously business development arm of our business, always looking at what the uh, VISTA is and always interested in how we can be part of uh, a continued improvement, innovation, and eventual cure of diabetes for people. Fran Kaufman, Chief Medical Officer of Medtronic Diabetes. Fran, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.